The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. News of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we march into March, beginning a new day, a new month. Gary, how are you? Good. Saw Lori Lightfoot lost in Chicago in the uh, the the primary. Is it going to make much of a difference? No, because it's going to be another Democrat. Yeah. Look, when after you had Adams win in New York City, uh, and remember the whole thing, I'm a new Democrat. Mm-hmm. I'm a new Democrat. Mm-hmm. I'm the new generation of Democrats. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, nah, he's not going to be. He can't fight the Democratic system in uh, in New York. And the same thing in Chicago. You're not going to see any difference. Uh, but it does show that, you know, in a in a town where, it's almost guaranteed that if you're the mayor, you win again. What was it the first incumbent mayor that hadn't won in 40 years? Yeah. Democrat. It's just, you know, it, it, it shows, well, we're not pleased with it. So we need to, we need to put, we need to put somebody in from the exact, from the exact same party that will do basically the exact same thing, even if they promise otherwise. Well, I, I thought of Gavin Newsom because, you know, they're looking at Biden and all the polls show that the majority of Democrats don't want Biden to be the guy in 24, but they want, you know, they're looking at someone like a, you know, Gavin Newsom and, and, you know, I think what's going on with the party is exactly what they talked about. Um, the, it was the night McAuliffe lost and they were saying, well, we need to get, you know, uh, more radical people, yeah. uh, more people on right. the left. And, and we need to, and, and, and they also were saying we need to get people that can sell our message better. In other words, you know, mm-hmm. lie better and, and convincingly, and she was weak and Biden is really weak and they see him as weak. It's not that they don't want a liberal. They want another liberal that can come in and and sell the goods they're they're trying to sell. Yeah, I think what they want is somebody who is screaming. That's what they're doing. Yeah, right. We we try to, you know, our our whole point is we look, you know, this this is I I did see something um uh yesterday that was talking about look at all the things that the left was wrong on and the media was wrong on. Why don't they ever apologize? They need to apologize. And the article said, well, they're never going to apologize. There's nothing to apologize for. They know they knew they were lying from the beginning. They knew they didn't have any point from the beginning. It's not that they believe that they were right and now they're wrong. It's simply we are political activists that push a particular narrative, whether it is the truth or not. And and more more uh, often than not, it's a lie, but they keep pushing the narrative. I'll give you an example yesterday. 
Schumer uh, was out there again. And the Democrats now are behind the message that Trump deregulation uh, caused the Ohio train derailment. Mm -hmm. We know. We've we've known for almost a week now from the NTSB. It had nothing to do with it. But it doesn't matter. And I saw that yesterday, and, and it brought me back to my question. Is there any issue? Is there any issue at all that the Democrats don't lie about? Right now, any major, I'll say major issue. Mm. Is there any major issue? There may be a small issue where they, okay, we told the truth over here. Mm. Uh, But any major issue of importance to the American people where the Democrats don't have to lie. And this is a serious question. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Mm -hmm. Is there any, anything that they're trying to sell that isn't based on a lie? Energy, based on a lie. Mm -hmm. The border situation, Based on a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, what other? <laughs> oh, debt forgiveness, you know, based on a lie. Well, everything from their agenda as well, you know, critical race theory and, and everything else. Uh, critical you know, race the theory, liberal transgender on, movement. Based on a lie. All based these, on a lie. All these are based on heavy, heavy lies nice. yep. that, that are required. And, and, and then the lies that they use to defend it and go after the opposition. Um, if you have any questions there, just see their their hit, their, their latest set of hits against Governor DeSantis in Florida. Mm-hmm. These are the things that they have to do in order to try and sell it. The, the problem is we may be partially responsible. Remember years ago we said, look, if you're going to lie, go big. <laughs> and they were like, you know what? Eric and Gary are <laughs> right. Let's lie big. Look, a man can be a woman. We can even we can decimate women's rights. Eric and Gary said it. They said go big. It's their fault. Um, but we, we said years ago, we were like, why? And it was on a number of things. Remember when we were having debates about the national debt? real debates meaningful um but we said you know if you're gonna lie go big but but i really do believe that there is that threshold right because it makes it seem like when you come in and say no 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 that man is a woman that man is a woman compare it to look if you like your doctor you can keep your doctor if you like your plan you can keep your plan well now here are two, you know, two very real things, but even the doctor and you know and plan lie that uh, that uh, lies that Obama told to the Democrats, yeah, because there was no hope that the Republicans were going to vote for Obamacare. Uh, he was lying to the rank and file Democrats to make sure they had enough votes to get it done, and. That was more of one of those what we call abstract lies because no one knew anything about it. In fact, you know, we go back to the couple in California. We didn't know we were going to have to pay for it. But there but now you're you're to you're to the point where it's no, no, no. That man is a woman. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, it's not. You you well, can you can and- say that man is living as a woman. And and we we've talked about abstract lies and lies that you have to investigate versus uh, where something is so incredibly self evident that everybody knows it's a lie. Right. Uh, for example, the 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 biggest one that Americans know about is when. 
the president or Kareen uh, Jean Repair, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, says inflation is down and people are getting relief. Uh-huh. Uh, it's an absolute lie. Yeah, Prices right. are still going up. They're not going down. It's more expensive to live this month than it was last month. But that's and, one of those reality lies that they right. can't get away with. Yeah. And, you know, but they still do it. Every, they still every, say it. Every single day. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, they said it yesterday again. Mm-hmm. The American people are now feeling relief. It's yep. like, no, they're not. Right. You know, there may be the ups and downs in the gas prices, but overall, and that's the worry of the core inflation, as we see, that prices keep, you know, uh, uh, going up. President said yesterday that he has uh, decreased the debt, $1.7 billion. I think he meant trillion, but he said billion. Mm. The debt hasn't gone down. The debt has skyrocketed. Yeah. And right. it's like, let's just lie about everything. And it doesn't matter. And that's why when I saw the... You know, the, 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 the Schumer thing that now Schumer's out there. The Democrats now, the talking points are the train derailment was caused by the Trump administration. Yeah. There's no evidence at all. Nothing. Got nothing to do with the brakes. Nothing. The NTSB was clear on that last week. And, in fact, the head of the NTSB said that. Well, yeah. the brake yeah. thing may be something that you would want, but it had nothing to do with it. And the Democrats keep repeating it over and over and and uh, and and over again. Right. So, I mean, it really is in, incredible. And then, you know, we had the 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 student debt forgiveness plan, and and we know. I mean, the, I, I want to play CNN here where they talk about the fact that well, Democrats didn't believe that you could do this. Right. You know, the uh, Biden said his power was limited. Nancy Pelosi was blunt, and this is on CNN yesterday. So I'm going to play this audio here where you know she had said no, the president can't do it. Congress has to. Uh, do it and then nancy pelosi completely changed her mind well one is a lie right yeah and we know which one is a lie the president doesn't have the ability uh to forgive trillions of dollars of loans in general across the board no matter how much randy weingard is gonna scream it's not fair yeah that was pleasant to watch wasn't it yeah but <laughs> and, and the fact that it went viral i mean you you were seeing it every other mm-hmm. post uh, right. Ted Cruz just now reposted it a little while ago. Uh, here is uh, uh, CNN yesterday on this. Even the president himself in a CNN uh, town hall in Milwaukee last year questioned and, and actually laid out the limits of his authority. Listen to this. I'm prepared to write off the $10,000 debt, um, but not fifty. Mr. President, let me ask you. Because I don't think I have the authority to do it by sound of pen. Then Speaker Pelosi said this in 2001 about the limits, again, of what you can do without an act of Congress. Here she was. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That that has to be an act of Congress. She later said in 2022, actually, we do have this power. But you can see those are two key people in the administration and the then speaker saying there are limits to this authority. And that's the real legal question here. You know, uh, it was funny because there was another CNN article written yesterday or two days ago uh, about the fact that and I always love this. Well, uh, uh, the the justices, uh, these are people that have jobs. These are people that have uh, good jobs. Yeah. Uh, these are people that, you know, got scholarships or uh-huh. got this or right, got that, right. which is nothing to do with Has the actual legal case. 
about whether the president, in essence, is a has <laughs> dictatorial <laughs> authority to simply say, oh, okay, we're going to forgive those loans over there. We're going to forgive those loans over there. We're just going to forgive those loans over there, or whether that is a role and function of Congress. Well, and we yeah. all know it's a role and function of uh, of of Congress. Even uh, you know d- during the discussion during the hearing, uh, Chief Justice Roberts was one of those talking about fairness. It's not the job of the court to decide fair or not. Whether it's whether it's legal or not, we can talk politically whether it's fair, but at the high court, it's about whether he has the authority. Oh, it's not fair, as we all know. No, it, it isn't, it, it, it and is. that's the political and, aspect. And you know, in front of the bench. You know, it, these are the things that, you know, that, that that we've talked about over and over and over again. Uh, but the problem is, is with the problem I have with them talking about it at the Supreme Court is it, it feels like it sounds reminiscent of what they were talking about, the, the type of language they were using during the whole gay marriage thing. And it was like, well, but, you know, people just want to love each other and blah. Well, that's not the question. And, you know. You you look at it, it's it's not a winner for them, and that's because so many people are left out. Politically, it's not a winner. And well, legally he doesn't have the authority. I don't want to use the, the term fair. It's immoral. Right. It is immoral sure. what they what they wish to do. Because what you are simply saying now and, and it's across the board, and we've talked about this in the very beginning mm-hmm. on uh, uh, college loan transfer because it's not forgiveness, it's mm-hmm. not forgiven. It's not wiped off the books. Your, your decision to take out a loan, what you're saying is it is the responsibility more of people who did not sign that contract. It's more moral for the people who did not legally sign a contract to take money, receive the benefit, and then pay it back, that that is not as moral as having someone who did not sign the contract and did not receive the benefit pay it back. It's absolutely immoral to do that, and everybody knows that. The people that are for it are people that it's their own self-interest. Yeah. Well, I can't pay it back. I can't pay it back. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you shouldn't have taken it out. Right. And and so you can't, once you break down the argument, the left can't win it. They have to be disingenuous. They have to lie. They can't, they, they, they have to deflect to something else. They don't complete the sentence. Well, it's hard. Well, yeah, it's hard. You took out the loan. When, Loan, it's it's loans are hard to pay back people well, and and when they're yeah when they're up there making these you know emotional arguments okay fine then you're also in favor of doing away with the student loan program altogether because if it affected you this way how is it not going to happen again yeah it's happening again right, right. now all over again well, and you're no, saying no the you know, free college you know that's, that's, just, that's where right. they're because that's where they're going right that's exactly what bernie wants it to be an extension of public school. We'll just have public college. We'll just go to grade 16. You know, Randy Weingarten has helped destroy the public school system in the United States. Now mm-hmm. she's looking to destroy college mm-hmm. even more. Right. How about all those professors there at all those uh, big universities? 
We'll just make it like a public school system, extend public school to grade 16. Now, your pay is going to be greatly affected. But that's what you want, right? 86690-RED-EYE. It's not always easy to spring back from the harsh days of winter to warmer months ahead. From de-icing chemicals to hidden debris underneath snow and ice, winter conditions can do serious damage to your truck. Here's a must-do maintenance check to help you minimize downtime and stay rolling. Have your batteries tested and inspect your electrical system for any exposed connections, wires, or butt connectors. Get any exposed components repaired immediately, as the acidic nature of highway de-icers will erode any exposed connections or wires in no time at all. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, so just uh, want to play this audio cut from the president uh, uh, yesterday, making the point that we were just uh, making in the last segment. In two years, I reduced the debt $1.7 billion. $1.7 billion. That's a lie. Now, I think he meant trillion, but that's a lie. The debt is skyrocketing. It's not going down. You can't. And so I think that's where they're at. It's like, let's just bluntly lie about everything. Why they, not? That Democrats don't care because that's what they're trying to do. They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to shore up their base. And mm-hmm. they've come to the realization, look, we're just political activists. We lie all the time. And the media, the same thing. We just we lie all the time. We don't we're never going to give an apology for anything because we don't care if we get caught as long as we get some of what we want. Yeah, and right. so we'll just move on to the next lie. And so once they know the media will do that and won't call them out on it, well, then the Democrats just say whether it's the president stating that he re- is reducing the debt, which of course is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There isn't any. I, I don't think there is any fact checked that can say that the debt is going down. The no, de- the debt no. is going up. It keeps going yeah, up. No. In fact, where do they have the debt clock? So look at the debt clock and see it, if it reversed in the last two years. I think it's weirdoomed.com. I'm not sure. <laughs> I could be wrong. Well, I mean, but it's so, it's like the, the absolute lies that are immediately self evident. And you look at that. We're, I'm reducing the debt. No, you're not. People are getting relief. Inflation is down. No, it's not. And they keep throwing that out. And then, like I said, with the train derailment, now the Democrats are all together that this has to do with the uh, Trump administration and deregulation. Right. You cannot, you cannot defend that position in any way except, hey, we're lying. Yeah. No, I mean, there, there is. And lying no is other, okay. There's, there is no other way for them. You know, yeah. when they can change the definition of a recession. Well, that's not a recession. Well, exactly. yeah, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's not. But they realize, I think there's a realization that their base in the Democratic Party, they believe the Democratic voter knows it's a lie and doesn't care as long as it pushes their narrative. Yep. 
that they don't care, which brings us to the question that we've always asked, what do Democrats actually believe? Hmm. Right. Yeah, that's what it comes down what, to. What is, what is what is their belief on the issues? Because they say they want it, then they do it. It hurts them. They say they're yep. against it, yep. but it continues. Yep. So maybe that's why they do it. They lie to continue the destructive policies. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. And Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I want to play this audio cut. This is Randy uh, Weingarten, who is the head of the uh, Teachers uh, Union, National Teachers Union here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Here she is on the Supreme Court steps. And frankly, and this is what really pisses me off, during the pandemic, we understood that small businesses were hurting, and we helped them, and it didn't go to the Supreme Court to challenge it. Big businesses were hurting, and we helped them, and it didn't go to the Supreme yep. Court to challenge it. All of a sudden, when it's about our students, they challenge it. Okay, you can you can uh, understand. I'm just having problems for some reason. Her audio, no matter where you find it, mm. <laughs> will not will yep. not play straight uh, straight through. But uh, she's trying to make the point that students weren't helped at all. Mm-hmm. Only the businesses were helped, which is a lie. Well, what was the process for those businesses getting help? You know, that required action from Congress, which they have the authority to do. Right. And so if Congress wanted to go in and say, we're going to uh, do student loan forgiveness, Congress could do that. Right. Because Congress actually passed those bills 
to to uh, to to do that. And uh, through executive order, the president delayed. You st- nobody's paid what three years now. It's almost right. three years. Yeah, you haven't had to pay your student loan. I think it still goes through June or July or May. June, I, I think. think is it May? May. Yeah. Okay. Well, which would go to June then? If yeah. Yeah. May. Yeah. Your first payment would be uh, at June. So she's lying, saying that only companies were helped mm. uh, and implying that students weren't helped at all. Well, students or, or people that had student loans, not students, but people had student loans were helped. Mm-hmm. We know the money that was thrown mm-hmm. uh, at people in this country. So if you had problems, if you're somebody who couldn't pay your bills, you got extended unemployment. Yeah. Uh, you got benefits from the, the, the government, a whole a whole uh, load of of uh, of benefits were given to the, uh, the 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 public. So she's trying to make the case that the businesses got everything and you got nothing, which is an absolute lie by Randy Weingarten. But again, this is you know, I, I really believe, and you and I had said this during the Obama administration when they were getting when they were on you know starting with the Obamacare lie, and mm. we looked at each other one day and we said, do they lie about every issue because their goal is. Well, if we lie about everything all the time, then the Republicans will just constantly say we're lying, and then we can just say, "See, they say we lie all the time." They just That's call all us they liars. Mean. That's right. their only game, and and that that actually is, and you see it now, and on every major issue, yeah, right, they lie. Yep, every single major issue, they cannot tell the American public the the truth on it because if they tell the American public the truth, the American public will not back what they say. Look, um, you know, it it comes down to this uh, again. Uh, Democrats, you know, they they controlled the the House and the Senate. Now they didn't have the numbers in the Senate to to get it passed. When we talk about forgiving student loans, but that's how the process works. We could actually do that if our elected representatives decided to do that. They have the authority to go in and change the student loan program even to the point of student loan forgiveness. Now, why don't they? They don't because politically it's a nightmare. Politically, you're going to have part of your constituents saying, thank you, thank you, and part of them saying, what the hell, dude? I didn't go to college. Where's my loan forgiveness for the truck that I bought that I use as an electrician? Where's my loan forgiveness for the equipment that I bought to go work construction? Why should people that didn't go to college and only have a high school education be paying off part of your debt? Exactly. It, you know, you think you, you want an issue politically that reeks of elitism. We'll take care of the haves. Yeah, right. We'll subsidize the haves. Right. You know, she's. Randy Weingarten's talking about the companies, mm-hmm. well, people that are college educated. They likely make more money. Right. And if you don't make more a, a lot of money, that's because in all likelihood you picked a profession, we'll give an example, gender studies. <laughs> just that, just one random example. <laughs> right, just to gender studies and now corporations are saying, well, okay, on on uh, DEI, we've got to back off on 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 this because you know something we're losing money. Also, what Randy Weingarten doesn't talk about is how many businesses went out of business, even though the help was there from the government. Right. 
And so, uh, again, I mean, she's, I'm telling you, she is one angry human being. Well, she's, and- I mean, she's, uh, but the, the fact is she has to lie consistently. And you know how wrong she was. Remember, we know how wrong masks were on children and, and lockdowns were. There isn't anybody in the United States that pushed to hurt children during COVID and students during COVID than Randy Weingarten. Right. I can't find one. No, I, I don't no, know of one. No. That pushed harder for lockdowns and mask mandates yeah. on children. She did more to harm children, and she claims she cares. Mm-hmm. She doesn't care. No. She doesn't give a damn about your child. No. Nope. Nope. And, and so, again... Over and over again, it's like, you know, whether, and you just look at it now, whether it's student loans, whether it's the train derailment, whether it's uh, inflation, whether it's debt, whether it's the border, all the major Democrats, whether it's the election law in Georgia, yeah. since now the Democrats are saying, hey, let's put the DNC in Atlanta. Right. Yeah, but they have that racist law. Shh, we were lying about that, too. Yeah, yeah, we don't actually right. believe that. Yeah, we we actually know that's not the case. Every single major issue that faces the United States today, uh, you know, they 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 lie about and they wish to censor the truth, as we have seen yep. over and over again. And we explained yesterday on everything that they have attempted to censor uh, from the American public uh, and or punish people for wishing to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what the mainstream of the Democratic Party is. And I know maybe a minority of Democrats, not all Democrats, have been disgusted with it and said, but the, uh, and said, sorry, can't vote Democrat anymore. You saw that, for example, in yeah, Florida. Right. But the vast majority of Democrats are okay. This is the voter. You don't get to the point of doing what they're doing unless a significant portion of the voter says, we understand. And this is really the most bizarre thing because I can't imagine being in a political party that lies about all the major issues. Right. And you can sit there and you can say, well, the Republicans lie about the." Okay, I, I'm not saying the Republicans don't ever lie. They don't lie on every single major issue and lies that are so incredibly self-evident all the time. No, I mean, it's, uh, again, it is every day on everything. Yeah. And... When you do have, for example, the back and forth on elections, for example, you know, the integrity of elections, Mm -hmm. you have great debate inside the Republican Party on that. Mm -hmm. There's great debate on the stolen election. That splits the Republican, that splits Republicans big time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's a generic thing of the election was stolen, then you get into the minutiae. You see it right now with Dominion and the Dominion and Smartmatic uh, lawsuit. Right. Right. And the the situation that Fox is in. Sorry, but their anchors got caught saying one thing off the air and another thing on the air. Mm-hmm. And at times totally contradictory. Right. And many Republicans have called them out on it. Yeah. They're not afraid. Right. But uh, the Democrats are almost completely across the board, even the voter. We're okay with lying about every single major issue facing America today. Even the ones that are so incredibly self-evident will still continue and perpetuate the lie that Americans are seeing relief right now. That Biden has taken down the debt. 
1.7 trillion or billion, which whichever Biden you believe or don't believe. This is the 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 practice over and over again. But what else do you do when you can't win on the issues? What where else do you go? You start screaming like Wine Garden, you start screaming to no end. And then, of course, they go, you know, the the argument, they help businesses. They won't help you. Again, that's a lie. It's a lie. And the way that they help businesses is the process that we have set out as a country. Now, here's the thing, is that the students did get help, as we pointed out. But if Congress wanted to do like they did with businesses and, and forgive student loans, they could do that. There's a reason they won't. Politically, it doesn't work. Which is why they had to do it through executive power. That was their only shot. But he doesn't have the authority to do this. Plain and simple, he doesn't have the authority. Now, I'm wondering if if based on the hearing yesterday, if the administration believes they're not going to get the... Well, here's the thing. I was going to say, I wonder if they kick the can down the road and delay the, the repayment. But they're ending the emergency as of May. Yeah. Unless they don't. <laughs> but at some point, I mean, they're... They have to get on with it. You know, the um, the story about uh, starting March 1st, the SNAP benefits that, that people were getting uh, for during COVID, they're gone. They're over yeah. as of March 1st. Yep. And there's a reason that they're over. It was to cover that, that period. I think it went on way too long, frankly, but it was to cover that period. And now that period is over. But once you end the the whole state of emergency on this, then you've got to move on. And and by the way, all these programs are ending on lockdowns that should have never happened. Exactly. Now that we look back on it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, those are the things that we should have been able to to remain productive as a nation. And there are exceptions to that rule. Uh, the seniors, it, it like with every virus, there should have been great care in making sure. That they are are protected. Uh, those who who have a compromised immune system. This, but this is the case. It's something that we have been through as a society over and over over again. In fact, we go through it every year. But you think about it. You know, your, your Democrats will still be screaming to continue these programs. Oh, continue yeah. these programs. Yeah. The these programs that were based on long term lockdowns and mandates that the Democratic Party fully endorsed that was based on the what they said was the truth mm. about COVID, mm-hmm. where the majority of what they prom- were promoting was actually wrong. Right. You put it there, it's yeah. just like, yeah. so government was wrong for doing what they did. Right. So they initiated these programs for damaging the economy in the country so much, and now they wish to continue these programs on the policies that we now know were wrong based on the fact that they were attempting to hide any type of debate and truth out there about mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. 
So when you break it down like that, it's like, my God. No, I mean, that's it. What's going on? It's, and, and they would love to have everything still in play, shutdowns in play, and have as much money as they could spend in play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Personalized savings on commercial trucks. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, uh, 86690 Red Eye. Uh, FBI director says COVID most likely emerged from the uh, Chinese lab leak. It's interesting now because now you've got more doctors who had said it before that are getting more attention now from prestigious universities saying, well, yeah, the the censoring of this was all political. Right. Duh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course. But but they're getting they're getting more publicity because, uh, again, the admission is coming out and you, you, you can't you can't ignore it. Right. Uh, you can't ignore it now. So we'll get to, to uh, uh, that. You and up. I were talking in the pre-show meeting and, and I remember when uh Pompeo, when after he became CIA director, he had come out one time and said, "Look, all evidence points to a lab leak." And then a couple of days later, he walked it back. I I think what he was trying to tell the media because the media jumped on it. Then I think what he's trying to tell the media is that we can't say conclusively, but all evidence points to that, and you know that's likely the scenario. Um, but they kind of walked that back, and then it just kind of went nowhere. And then Director Ray coming out in this latest interview. Um, and, you know, they pointed to this before. The FBI has pointed to this before. But now it's now here, here's the difference. It's exactly what you just mentioned. Now you can actually talk about it on social media. Now you right. can actually have the open forum and talk about the lab leak theory, whereas before, of course, you couldn't. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet Earth, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Download our app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. So uh, I like the uh, the story about uh, John Stewart mm. reflecting back oh, okay. on the lab leak yeah. theory blowback. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting. That was the summer of 2021 when he said it. Yeah. Time is flying too quickly. It's crazy. Yeah, it's almost, uh, we're coming up on two years. That's crazy. Um, a day after uh, Ari Blatt from uh, National Review covered it, how dare I, John Stewart reflects on lab leak theory blowback. A day after the U.S. Department of Energy's report asserting that COVID-19 likely leaked out of a Chinese research lab in Wuhan, John Stewart, 
condemned critics who had dismissed the comedian as a racist and conspiracy theorist after he endorsed the theory more than a year earlier. After Stewart's co-host on his podcast, The Problem with Jon Stewart, read the Department of Energy report, the comedian joked, are you trying to get me canceled again? Mm. He placed much of the blame uh, for the fallout on political correctness. Quote, the larger problem with all of this is the inability to discuss things that are within the realm of possibility without falling into absolutes and litmus testing each other for our political allegiances as it arose from that. The former Daily Show host landed in hot water, remember in June of 2021, during an appearance with Colbert for mocking progressives who dismissed the lab leak theory for partisan reasons. During one segment, Colbert asked uh, Stewart, do you mean perhaps there's a chance that this was created in a lab? If there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. I just don't know. Quote, a chance? Oh, my God. There's a, <laughs> there's a <laughs> respiratory coronavirus lab. Uh, there, excuse me. There's a, there's a novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, uh, you know, who would we ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab? <laughs> the disease is the same name as the lab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There's been, I'll never forget when he said this. Oh, yeah. my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think happened? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel mated with a cocoa bean. <laughs> or it's the effing chocolate factory. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when the Daily Show used to be funny? <sighs> yeah. Uh, he said, "My bigger problem was that I thought it was a pretty good bit. It was a great bit. It was a very, oh, no, it, was, it was very, it, funny. it was a good, you know, and it was effective yeah, yeah, in was, making the yeah, point. It was a, a very, very, very good bit. And sometimes, look, we know with comedy that's one of the reasons that uh, we uh, we are pleased with. We weren't pleased." Because stand-up comedy started going, especially political stand-up comedy mm. or observational, you know, society comedy started going down after Obama was elected. And yeah. comedians were right. afraid. Right. Oh, there's nothing funny with him. He's so serious. Shut up. Seinfeld <laughs> was one of the first to say, and we talked about it um, very early on when he said, I can't do college campuses anymore. Right. You know, and that was really the birth of the cancel culture you know, being shut down on a campus. Yeah. Uh, that's something yeah. that was going to, you know, Think happen. about that. Seinfeld. Yeah, right. <laughs> but with the with the rise, uh, you know, and, and you, you look at Chappelle, you have to, I look at it and say Chappelle and Bill Burr were really, the, the to I, me, the, the big ones that came out just smoking, especially at the liberal transgender activist movement. No, they stomped it. They stomped it. And, you know, it, what's interesting is that uh, Bill Burr is relentless, and Dave Chappelle just came out and and did it in really in Dave Chappelle fashion. But if you look at the series of 
specials he did on Netflix. And they are a series. It's, I mean, when you watch them, it's, it's amazing to watch him work on stage and, and, you know, I, I try and shy away, you know, from words like fearless. But in the face of what, you know, was happening, really that was fearless behavior. But there was really no other option for, for Chappelle. And Chappelle had already proven years ago he's willing to walk away from $50 million deals. He's yeah. willing to leave things on the table. He's going to do it his way. But but more importantly, when when that happened, I think it empowered other stand-up comedians to come out and say, you know what, I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to walk on eggshells with my bits. You either like them or you don't. And, you know, it's but that's what it comes down to with any kind of social commentary. If you think about stand-up comedy, um, the greatest observational comics are are they're doing social commentary. This is you know this is and it's been done since you know for 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 ages where they come out and they just talk about you know with late night TV, uh, you know they would come out and talk about the news of the day. And they're making a joke about it, but it is, is also part commentary. And it was, I think it was important and more empowering, maybe, I don't know if that's the word, but it kind of opened up to the door, I think, for for what's going on with social media in, in that, okay, look, let's quit being stupid. Why are we shutting down conversations? If you think about what Jon Stewart did, Sitting on Colbert's show. Now he's, you know, you could, a lot of people say, well, he made Colbert, you know, with, with, with Colbert and, and, uh, uh, being on the Daily Show early on and then having his own show on Comedy Central and then getting the, the gig after Letterman left and, and all that. But he's sitting there. These are two very liberal individuals. But the one thing about Jon Stewart is, is that his bits, will often, you know, take off on on the left. I mean, SNL's doing it. Michael Che and and Colin Jost are are are, you know, they they're not afraid to go off on on Biden. I mean, obviously they're liberal, but they go off well, on Biden, but those are the though I think all of those things gave more space uh for people to basically uh speak freely again and not not be worried about being canceled i i think that when when you go back and you go back you know uh 25 30 years you saw it and and what you're seeing with these these comedians the majority of them are liberal yeah and 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 that's what is that's what's really interesting is to watch them and you go back you know 25 30 years ago it was carlin right even though carlin was mostly liberal he really came out against the political correctness. He really came out, you know, and one wonders what he would be like today. Right. Because, uh, he, what so much of his comedy was on language. Yeah. Including, including (laughs) bad language. Right. Uh, but he often talked about, and he did this, this has to go back, what, 28, maybe 30 years ago, even when he started talking about how political correctness and using different words yeah. actually lessens the impact of those words and you move further away from the truth. He was really the first one to 
to comedian, I think, to recognize it, you know, in that form. And many people ask, what would Carlin be like today? And mm-hmm. and I don't know. I, I would assume that there has to be when you, when you see, look, you see what's happened with Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Maher, you know, even though he still won't vote Republican, that'd be a question I would ask. Oh, I'll still vote Democrat. Well, then what would get you to not vote Democrat anymore? When you yeah, look where at is when, that threshold, right? What, what is I would like to know what that threshold is. Yeah, because if the if the threshold is, you know, Bill, they're lying about this or lying about this or lying about this or lying about this. They're incompetent here, here, here. You admit that there are major problems. And one thing that you and I would question Bill Maher on the fact that you've been promoting identity politics for the longest time until it didn't become sellable to the public anymore. Right. Because you pushed it for the longest time. Were you out there saying it was ridiculous? 20 years ago, Bill Maher, right. that conservative blacks uh, were, you know, the, the the racist, the absolute racism towards conservative blacks that still exists today. Still exists today. Under the, and you think about it, that's where it really started. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where the, the bigotry of the left, because it was going after, and I can remember early on in the genesis of modern talk radio, you know, Rush came in in 80, uh, 88, I think his national show started. Mm-hmm. I started in 89, and I can still remember early on in the early 90s, early to mid-90s, mm-hmm. when there was still a freshness to talk radio, and there was a great camaraderie between talk radio, the, the broadcasters in talk radio, between liberal, even though they disagreed, there was a great interaction between them. I don't think it's probably the same now, but you don't see much liberal talk radio. It really didn't, it really didn't pan out. Right, uh, for right, them, and many right. people say, "Yeah, because they have they have they have NPR." Um, that that was you know what was being said even back you know twenty years ago. But mm-hmm. I remember, I remember the absolute bigotry against those early black conservative talk shows and mm-hmm. uh, talk show hosts. I mean, they were just eviscerated as being Uncle Tom's and everything mm-hmm. else. Oh yeah. And as we said, how bigot how bigoted is that? How racist is that? And we've talked about identity politics now. And if you listen to the show, you know. That we don't back off on it at all. Why? Because it's the truth. Right. The left is attempting to tell you that all blacks should think alike. And if you don't, then you're not genuinely black. Right. As if your skin color determines your character and your analysis and observations. Right. And the same thing now, you can see it with critical race theory. Well, all whites, uh, you know, racism is embedded in them. They can never get rid of it. It's almost like DNA. It's to the point where it'll never go away. So society has to be completely constructed as if all whites will always are racist and will always be racist. Right. That's a load of horse manure, and everybody knows it. Well, you know, when I hear those things, I think to myself, you know, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> These, but but the left, <laughs> the left. Oh, by the way, there's. Huh? He, he just social media just oh, <laughs> said, man. said this guy is obviously the most racist. Pre- there was one comment I saw on social media. This guy is obviously the most racist president since LBJ. Yeah. And well, he just he's getting pounded and he, and he can't move himself away from that. I mean, you know, you look at his history and it's like, all right, look at look at his, his associations in the past and and all of that. But when you when you look at how the left. Treats minorities. How can you they and and they will basically they come out and say it. If you're a minority and you're a conservative, either something is wrong with you, someone has brainwashed you, someone has paid you money, right? Someone right. somehow someone else 
is in control of you or you're not, uh, there is something wrong with you and as an individual. Tell me anything more racist than that. Yeah. That if you, you can't think that because what they're saying is you can't think that way because your skin color is this. You must think this way. I mean, it's because what they're saying in, in turn is then all people of that skin color think this way. That's what racists have been saying for ages. That That's the one thing that's really incredible. The racism of the left is so blunt. It's so in your face. Yeah. And it's recognized by the party. <laughs> it is. They've recognized identity politics. Right. You know, Tim Ryan ran against Nancy Pelosi a couple of years ago based on the fact that we can't do this. We can't judge people by groups. Right. Well, yeah, that's the only way the Democratic Party believes they can survive because they've done it for so long. You will always be a victim and you must think that way. Right. And if you don't think that you'll always be a victim and you're a victim every single day of the oppressors out there, well, then you're an Uncle Tom. Right. <laughs> I mean, my God, if no, they, I mean, they, the, the racism is so incredibly blunt. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, OK, doesn't it? Oh, well, well, the right. Well, the right. Well, they never say racist things. It's all code. Yeah. Yep. They say it in... What they, what they say is they're not right. racist. What they and, really mean is we're really racist. Right. So it's all in code. And that's why Biden said learn to code. Because yeah. he's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Learn to talk in code. I mean, but those are the things over and over again that they put out there and they promote openly and proudly. Yeah. that That's the mind-boggling, uh, that's the mind-boggling thing about it all. Yeah. What uh, More on what John Stewart had to say. Uh, about the the, uh, the uh, entire lab leak theory coming up, 866-90-RED-EYE. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay-per-mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay-per-mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Join the conversation using the Shell Rotella hotline, 866-907-3339. Red Eye Radio at Shell Rotella. Uh, said the part that I don't like about uh, it is the absolutes and the dismissives like, F you, I'm done with you. I will never forgive you. You have crossed an unforgivable line. You've expressed an opinion uh, that is different than mine or not mine, uh, Stewart says. And so I must reject you completely. He said there seems to be no room for debate. 
and he knew it at the time, as we had said, both were theories. Yeah. Both are still theories for the right. most part. Right. I don't know what evidence the FBI has. I don't know what evidence the Department of Energy has. Mm-hmm. Both we have said from the very beginning, since there was no evidence to prove one absolute or disprove one absolute, both were legitimate theories. And so we said, okay, there's no politics involved in it. It's where did it come from? Yeah, that's simple. And so what I really love is how the left says, well, the right politicized this. No, the left did by wanting to censoring one opposing theory Mm. and only going with one, uh, the, the one theory. They didn't explain why the one theory. Right. And not the other. They just went with it. And if you wanted to promote the other theory, you were censored. They wanted you punished. You were called things like, we don't know what this is. We're asking questions here. Well, then you're a racist conspiracy theorist. Yeah. No, I mean, that that, that was the game. And but but, you know, to John Stewart, welcome to today's left. Yeah, it's all comes from the left that that you're dealing with the left. That's not the right on that issue. Right. Because I can have the conversation. If I heard John Stewart on Colbert say, "It's not a lab leak; it's the wet market." Come on, everybody knows it. I could say, "All right." If he's subscribing to that theory, he doesn't have any proof there. Now he did a bit; he was doing a bit on Colbert, right? But he made some points during that bit, and he didn't come to a conclusion. But everybody wants to jump on it, and that's the left of today. And, yeah, that might surprise you, even if you're also on the left, like him. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Giving you 70% each night. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. Uh, not that much. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. 70. That's almost half. <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on that. Yeah, um, just to look, reading more about the, the whole John Stewart thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stewart, and this is on uh, the whole lab leak theory when he brought it up on Colbert. Mm. Stewart recalled that the backlash he faced was swift, immediate, and quite loud in the aftermath of his appearance, though he added that he didn't take that personally. Mm. Uh, the uh, the part I don't like is the absolutes and the dismissives like, you know, uh, F you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was stunning to me, I think, was the anger. Mm. He saw it coming. He knew it had well, to come. Look, he thought it. We he thought it was a good bit, but he knew there was going to be flack on it. I think you know because if you took that position back then, you were going to get that. Oh that, yeah, that that flack. Yeah. 
Uh, critics on the left attacked Stewart for his remarks. Uh, at the time, the COVID-19 lab leak theory was widely panned as a conspiracy theory mm. by most mainstream outlets. Colbert appeared to be shocked by Stewart's stance. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just love this here. Mm. Uh, science has in many ways helped ease the suffering of this pandemic, which was uh, more uh, than likely caused by science, Stewart said. Do you mean perhaps that there's a chance that this was created in a lab? If there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. I just don't know, Colbert said. A chance? Oh, my God! <laughs> there's a respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. And what do we do? Who do we ask? Well, the Wuhan Respiratory Coronavirus Lab. (laughs) (laughs) And they did the whole chocolatey goodness thing. It it Uh, was very funny. And no, it, it, it was. And so it's just like we said, it's just a, the censoring that we have and what is amazing. And we had talked about this yesterday. When you, when you look at all the big stories that were censored by the media. Uh, and only one was viewed as legit. And you look, for example, uh, and we start, we go all the way back to the uh, uh, Trump colluded with the Russians to hack the election. That was completely a lie. Never happened. Yeah, right. We all know now it was created. It was created and financed that lie by the Hillary campaign that actually got a significant portion of the information uh, for the the uh, the the dossier, uh, for example, which got a which was the evidence that got a secret warrant, mm-hmm. and the dossier was all a lie created by a Russian national that had ties to Russian intelligence, mm-hmm. the only organization that colluded with the Russians. And the thing is, the Democrats know it. There are no apologies. Nobody says, "Well, okay, sorry to doubt," because. They accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Right. They're not displeased that they lied to the American public. Right, right. Still today on it. You'll still yeah. have. Yeah. For example, Adam Schiff will say, oh, no, no, no. Uh, Trump colluded with the Russians. The evidence is there. Right. What? The Trump Tower meeting. Right. That's no evidence of Russia collusion. Right. And And knowing that the Hillary campaign did all of this, well, that was a lie, and only one side could be heard, and the other side was dismissed. Oh, no, no, no big deal there. When you look at that, when you look at the Hunter Biden laptop story, mm-hmm. which leads right to, can you connect the dots to what? Enriching the Biden family. Yeah. Well, why would anybody give them that money? What did they get for that money? That's a legit question. Now, Americans know about that. But that was also censored by the media uh, with the influence of the FBI involved in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, To what degree, we still don't know, but we know they were involved in it. We know the FBI knew the truth. Yep. They knew that the Hunter Biden laptop was real. How do we know? They had it. Yeah. They had had it for 10 months. Right. So we've asked the question, did the right hand not know what the left hand was doing? Or 
did those in charge know what was going on, even though the agents involved, the right hand might not have known what the left hand was doing, but the management of the FBI knew what was going on. Right, yeah. Well, and and that's it. Uh, You look at the behavior of the FBI with social media. I really do wonder what the narrative would be still today if not for the Twitter files. Oh, yeah. I agree, I agree with you, yeah. Now, yeah, I will say that, okay, we we did have Zuckerberg on Rogan when he came out and said, yeah, they came to us. Um, that was, I think that was pretty big because I, you know, I looked at it and I was like, okay, he's got no reason to lie about that, to make that up. Now, he didn't get into specific details like the back and forth of what we saw from the Twitter files. That kind of sealed the deal on it. But if not for those things, if not for Zuckerberg and not for the Twitter files, what would the narrative still be on that? Well, the narrative would still be still be very much alive of what it was before. And that is, you know, that uh, uh, anybody talking about it, it is a conspiracy theory. Gary, we had dozens of former uh, Intel officials, they they did something unprecedented, Gary. They signed a letter saying that it felt like Russian uh, man- manipulation and, and propaganda. That's unprecedented. I don't know what kind of effort that takes to jump on a letter with a narrative, but wow. That's real work. And those are the things that you look back on and you go, and we all knew it. Conservatives knew it. Because we said from day one, why would you shut down the New York Post? If they're wrong, they're going to get eviscerated and they're going to get eviscerated by conservatives. If this isn't true on this laptop thing, Oh, man, it's going to hurt for a long time. And the New York Post already has a bit of a tabloid-type reputation. And if that were to be false, something that big to be false, it would be like, okay, we can't really – you might as well put Bigfoot on the cover every day, on the front page every day. We set it that night. So why would you shut it down? Well, you shut it down because it's election time. And we're not going to have any of that. And we'll use the F- the FBI will come in and they will control the narrative by controlling social media. See, and now that we, you know, again, we, we know that the FBI had the, the laptop as you go through that. And the one question is, and it was Miranda Devine who wrote the book for the, uh, you know, New York Post columnist mm-hmm. wrote the book, Laptop from Hell, who has done so much investigating on it. And, you know, she says that, the the reason that uh you know how did they how did uh you know how did the fbi know hmm. how did the fbi know that the new york post was going to write the story who told them right and that's where they believe as she believes the white house had a tap on rudy giuliani's emails from another case and was monitoring what was going on between them mm-hmm. so they knew that the story was coming out very soon in the New York Post, and then they went to social media on it. 
which would prove that the FBI, somebody should go to jail if that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. If, if, if that's the case, because they knowingly fed the wrong information, uh, you know, to knowing because if, if it got to that point where they were tapping in on it, that got to the highest level. Mm-hmm. You know, before you before you, you know, uh, uh, you know, do something like that, you get those emails. Right. That that goes to the top of the FBI when you're at that level with Giuliani and revolves around uh, Trump and everything else Mm -hmm. that would go to the top. And they already knew for 10 months that they had the Hunter Biden laptop story. And don't tell me that management didn't know about that. Right. So if they did take that information from a. uh, warrant wiretap of Giuliani's email and use that to promote disinformation to the media. Somebody should go to jail for that one. Yeah. And, and so we'll find out, we'll eventually find out, you know, about that. Like we found out about everything. Now, if the American public doesn't care about it, that's one thing. By the way, I just thought about it. Where's Durham? Good question. I was at, I was wondering that the other day. We were talking about something in Durham's name crossed my mind. But at some point, he's going to be wrapping yeah. up and issuing a report to Merrick Garland. But all these all these big issues that the media and the Democrats wanted censored because because they're against disinformation all proved to be actually truthful information or information that was not disinformation, but simply a competing theory, hmm. and they wanted it all shut down. Yep. The Democrats and the media did not want you, the American public, to know the truth and the actual debate of theories of COVID that were going on at that particular point. Right. And it gets back to what we've always said. Either they believe you're extremely stupid or they knew the truth would help destroy their narrative. Mm -hmm. Or both. Or both. Yep. Yep. And and that's it. You know, I mean, you look at that kind of control and abuse of power. How many times have we seen that in recent years? And it's scary. It, It makes me wonder... If there are more whistleblowers at the FBI uh, that that are going to come forward, oh yeah, we'll have to get to the uh, uh, Representative Issa story here. Mm. You know, because if you're an agent, you're looking at that saying, "This can't be right. This isn't how real police work is done. Real investigative work isn't done this way." And Look, we heard that. You know, we 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 saw that with the uh, whole Sussman thing. The things we learned from the Sussman trial and the evidence and what was presented uh, were very important. It was, you know, of course, uh, not uh, not a good thing that the jury came back and said, "Yeah, we uh, they it was a crime, but there are bigger crimes lying to the FBI." Those are things that, you know, you, you look at and you you wonder, again, how many agents could there be at the FBI that 
want to come forward. That's not an easy thing to do, by the way, to be a whistleblower. There's been over, the, for the reporters, over 30. Over FBI, 30. Over 30 is yep. what I've seen. Yep. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder how many would love to come forward but fear for their career. All of them. Well, I mean, I know all of them, but in a number, quantify it. How many would yeah. there be that it's not the, not the 30? Oh, okay. But I mean, beyond right, the 30, right. how many might there be that won't come forward because of fear that they may lose their career? 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Republicans to hold first primetime hearing on the threat from the Communist Chinese Party in China. Mm. Also, uh, in um, in Chicago, mm. uh, we saw Lori Lightfoot has uh, lost yeah. her bid for re-election. Election. First time that's happened in 40 years. Yeah. Somebody who is uh, an incumbent, and it shows that defund the police... And that entire concept of liberalizing the uh, the crime problem in the United States has failed miserably. Yep. The only thing is, in Chicago, you're simply going to put more Democrats in there and continue to do the same thing. Yep. Um, we saw it with Adams, who said, remember, I'm a police officer, yeah, and we'll I'm change different. things. I'm different. I'm the new generation of Democrats. Nope. 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 And nope. The, the crime keeps skyrocketing in New York City, and the crime in Chicago will uh, stay the same as it has always been. It's going to be horrific, uh, and they're not going to do anything about it. You you have to drastically change the policy and come in. Remember when Giuliani did that with New York City, mm-hmm. you know, and it was it was national news, you know, because it's New York City, but still. It was this monumental shift. This is what we're going to focus on. It was a brand new uh, culture that he was putting into place of, you know, law enforcement. We're going to enforce the law. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. So uh, just uh, reading here, Jeffrey uh, Lahar from National Review, Chicago's mayoral race, uh, the uh, Vallis versus Johnson runoff will be likely be a dumpster fire. As I predicted here, the voters of Chicago have decisively ousted incumbent mayor Lori Lightfoot from office hmm. in the all-party primary race for mayor. She finished behind Paul Vallis, who, heads, who leads with roughly 35% of the vote, and Brandon Johnson with 20%. 
Lightfoot's miserable 16.5% of the vote is good for a humiliating third place and a ticket home. Uh, the matchup that has been set, however, fills me with fear for Chicago's future. For once, the voters are going to be offered a meaningful choice between a mainstream liberal Democrat and a guy whose politics, promises, and affiliations threaten to turn uh, Chicago into Portland on the Great Lakes. That's Brandon Johnson uh, he's talking about. And given the politics of the day, it's frighteningly possible the voters would choose Johnson in April. Thankfully, though, or this is sarcasm here, thankfully a race between a moderate white liberal who embodies the establishment and an African-American uh, DSA-endorsed candidate running with the Chicago Teachers Union at his side at least promises not to be a racially polarizing campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and I can take some comfort in that. And that's that's the problem. It's just like New York City. You're not so, You're putting a different person in, but the philosophy is the same. And it's, yeah. we don't give a damn about the citizens of Chicago. Right. We don't care about crime. We we put the criminal first. You expect it to change? And yeah. anybody in Chicago expect it to change? It's not going to change. Yeah. And 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 I think the message being sent here is that uh, Lightfoot isn't the right liberal to sell the agenda. Well, it's also that they've come to realize they don't give a damn about the citizens of Chicago. No, they never did. They never did. They don't now. The crime would be uh, taken care of if they if they cared, right. uh, and and you wouldn't have mayors saying, "Well, you know, we're blocking off part of my block that I live on. I get that kind of protection, but you don't get to protect your home." Um, it's been going on for ages, and nothing is going to yeah. change. And what they're saying is, is oh, we just need a different Democrat to sell it. Right? They're not going to change the policy. It's not going to happen. You, the the uh, what you see in crime in Chicago, and New York, and Portland, mm-hmm. and Seattle is what the voters want. Yep, and the voters in Chicago vo- uh, are voting again and will vote again for complete and total chaos in the city. Yep, and they will vote again to serve the criminal element instead of the law-abiding citizen. And it's what the voter wants. Right. Otherwise, you vote different. When will you finally have enough? No, I mean, that's it. You And you're voting for those specific changes to, to say, we draw the line here. We want more cops on the street. We want uh, gang activity uh, to go away. We want a real effort to make our homes safe. That's not that's not going to happen. And you don't think there gets to a point where politicians go, these people are idiots. They, well, you, they vote. They keep voting to put us in. And, and it doesn't matter whether it's Lightfoot or me. <laughs> We're here to destroy your city. We're well, here to prioritize the 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 uh, the the criminal, the the freedom of the criminal over the law-abiding citizen, and you keep voting for Democrats. <laughs> well, guess what? We're going to deliver the same to you. And then, when you have in New York City, for example, Adams come out, I'm the police officer. Mm-hmm. I am the new. I am the new generation of Democrat. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. No, those are the things that 
uh, you know, you look at the Chaz payout. What was it? Three point six million, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just write the check. Are right. you going to do anything differently? Ah, uh, well, you know, we uh, we made a mistake. But is anything really changing? No, it's well, not. It's not what the reason it won't change. And you, you know, you've seen the the loss of police officers. Same in Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're extremely liberal. Uh, now they're actually realized it got to the point where the homeless they've decided to do something about that. But if you're they they can't find you see the number of police are put in for retirement there. Mm-hmm. Same in Seattle. Yeah, they can find. Right. It's tough to find people to work to begin with. By the way, went into my bank branch yesterday for the first time in five years. Mm. The manager, uh, one officer at the desk, one teller. That's it. Oh wow! Yeah, nobody in there. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Two, the one for the drive drive through. Okay. okay, but one to so two to ten. I was at a drive through. I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, and I noticed it was only one teller at the at the drive through. Yeah, and it was, and they have help wanted there. Oh. And I and and uh, I said short staffed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Well, and, and, and she had, the officer I was talking to. She was actually from. Uh, uh, California and working for the bank there and got transferred and, and and she wanted to come back because she's from the, the that town mm. and so uh, she asked for a transfer and they gave it to her mm. so yeah. like well then if you weren't here there'd be no and they've got I mean there there's probably in this it's a pretty big branch you probably you know for different bank officers you have like 10 desks one yeah, right one yeah. filled, and the bank manager, mm-hmm. her office, and then one filled there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, and, you know, and the Dallas uh, chief, uh, police chief, <clears throat> talked about it, I think it was last summer, uh, that said, look, the revolving door, the churn rate on officers, you know, we're having to hire so many every year just to keep up with the ones that are leaving. Um, to some extent, in the bigger cities, that's been happening for a while but it was accelerated after the defund the police movement. Uh, those officers will go in, they'll get their training done and experience done uh, in, in the big city, and then they'll go out to the suburbs, and there's a better work environment. But there's also, with, with the city leaders in the suburbs, there's a greater focus on law and order. They get greater support. Morale is much different. So when you have it, and, and this is the problem they have in Austin, and I would include the entire uh, Travis County because uh, the, uh, the, the, the sheriffs that have been there, uh, those are elected officials, and they are very liberal. And when you talk in terms of police chiefs, um, while they are hired and not elected, they are bureaucrats. I mean, they are the handshakers, and those towns have to make the decision on those positions as well as their city leaders and county leaders. Are we going to be proactive? Are we going to focus on law and order? As a community, tell me what community doesn't want law and order. See, the, it was it was the, the major Democrat cities in America. It, no, but it was when you asked them in the polls, they did. They did. 
But they, they that's the thing is that, vote it, that was, way. it was abstract. Oh, I I want to fund the police in Seattle. Where do you live? Chicago. Do you want yeah. to fund the police in Chicago? Well, no, no. And that's the it, it's it was one of the biggest abstract ideas that was abstract in a different way. Well, no, we need to do something about the police. We need to defund them. What about your town? No. Why would you do well, that? As as we all know, the true liberal wants to defund the police. Yeah. It's just they had, a, you know, they they view the upcoming election in 2024 and they say, uh-oh, the real world, our people don't, we don't like it. So we need to reverse course for a little while. Uh, we need to change things, but we're going to go right back. You don't think that recruits to become police officers in major cities don't know that? You think that the recruits for police departments are saying, oh, okay, that was just a glitch in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 to defund the police, and now they're going to change for the next couple of decades. Uh-huh. No, right. they get elected. It's right back to it. Yep. They don't care. If it's not obvious to the American public that Democrats want the school system to fail, they want cities to fail, mm-hmm. because if it's not failing, they can't sell the delusion that government can take care of you. They cause the problem, and then they sell the fact that they can save you from the problem that they cause, and they keep getting people to vote for them. And now it's gotten all the way up to the federal government on the border. They caused the problem. Mm -hmm. We're going to solve the problem that somebody else caused. No, you did it. On inflation, the border, Mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. They're causing all of these problems. It's not that, okay, they're not competent to handle the problems that organically come up. They caused the problem. They don't want to solve it. They caused it. The last thing they want to do is solve the problem because then they can't promise you that we'll take care of you and solve this problem that we caused. It is really an unbelievable political circle that you can't believe the voter doesn't eventually wake up and say, you know, thank you, sir. May I have another? Okay, it's, you know, stop Kevin uh, baconing it (laughs) (laughs) and say, okay, enough is enough. But they've sold it for such a long time. Well, and and this is the same side that will tell you Republicans are responsible for natural disasters while the current president is clearly responsible and his party responsible for what's going on at the border. And, and, oh, well, no, that's not our problem. Yeah. No, but we can blame Bush or Trump for a hurricane. Yeah, exactly. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. As the administration keeps pushing the fact that the economy is getting so much better <laughs> and and that you're getting uh, relief, consumer confidence took a turn for the worse in February. Uh, 
the conference board said its index consumer sentiment fell to 102.9 in February uh, from a downwardly revised January reading of 106. Mm. Economists had forecast an increase to 108.5 after initial January reading of 107.1. The measure of consumers' assessment of current business and labor conditions uh, uh, actually improved to 152 from 151 last month as a rising share who said jobs were plentiful offset a deteriorating view of the current business conditions. But the consumer sentiment fell because even though people said, okay, there are jobs out there that we can get. And and look, we've talked about this a couple times, which is why inflation is worse than in a recession. In a recession, you may have 10% unemployment. Right. 90% of the people are working Mm -hmm. and inflation isn't going through the roof. What's really bad is when everybody is working and you still can't keep up. Yeah. And that's the problem that this administration has yep. is inflation is just, you know, boom through the roof. Uh, the measure of expectations for the year ahead also fell sharply, plunging from a downwardly revised uh, 76 in January to 69.7 in February. Ratings below 80 on expectations on the expectations barometer often signals a recession within the next year. Expectations have been below that level for 11 of the past 12 months. So that's where we are, and that's the problem, you know, when you have the uh, inflation that we have today and the White House, I know, saying again yesterday that Americans are feeling relief. No, they're not. No, they're not, and... You know, you look at, at uh, what most believe the Fed is going to do or not going to do, and, and that means that inflation is going to be around for a while. You know, Powell actually said it. What was it, a couple of weeks ago? He doesn't believe it's going to be anywhere near the target rate of 2% for it, it, could go, it could be a very long time, which means that you have a you know, uh, a healthy inflation go on for years. We've seen that before. That happened in the 70s. And are they willing to go the full measure to to bring those uh, that inflation down? In order to do that, most believe they've got to get well above 6% on the target rate for the Fed. And the indication is they may barely get to 6 by the end of the year. And I don't know, and I don't even know if they'll get to that right now. It's uh, the target rate is somewhere between four and a half, four and three quarters. And it's, uh, I think it's been closer to four and three quarters here lately. But if they do two more moves, that total only a half a point, then you're not going to get to six. And as you, as you see, when it comes to the, the, the big items, housing, cars, appliances, vacations, all the expectations are down. Yeah, right. Well, and, because, and Walmart, you know, and the re, other retailers, Home Depot, uh, coming out saying that, you know, they expect that the spending will be less by their customers this year. Those are things that you, you know, that you look at and and you see because of the fact of, you know, that there are no more choices that you, you can make. You're getting down to the point now where inflation, the prices are still going up 
after you've made all the sacrifices that you can make in your budget in terms of things that you must buy. Groceries, things you must pay for, electricity, rent, all these things. And I was looking at a uh, a big ticket item that had jumped like a few hundred dollars, uh, which would be in the last two to three years, it's jumped like well over 30, 35%, this one item yesterday. And I thought, my gosh, where does it end? You know, at, at some point, you just have to go without mm-hmm. if the money isn't there. And, and that's the problem. And, you know, to tame inflation, historically, it's been you raise interest rates. But it's clear now, most believe, that they're not going to do that to the point that is required. No, and so you just wonder how long is this going to go on. And again, the and I say again because we brought this up many times, understand that the inflation rate is constantly compounded. Yes. You know, because now this is on top of the right. high inflation of last year. Right. And then last year's inflation was on top of what it was the year before. Exactly. And so we're roughly right now into really March, I believe, is when we went above. I have I'd have to go back and look. It's either March or April that we went above two percent of twenty one in what I say of twenty. Uh, no, you didn't say. But uh, yeah, but, of twenty one. Right. Yeah. Two years. Right. It's, yeah. It's been two years of inflation. And right. So you have, let's say you have a, the first year, yeah. you had 5% inflation. Well, the 9% you had the year after is based on that increase of that 6%. It's on top of that. Yeah. And if you have 6% inflation now, that's on top of the, you know, the, the uh, uh, 6% and 9%. So that's on top of a raise 13% higher yeah. than it was, you know, right two years before that. Right. And that's the problem that you have with inflation. You can do all the numbers, but it's actually the dollar amount mm-hmm. that people actually feel every day. People don't talk about percentages. Right. They talk about this is costing me, you know, I looked what this was two years, you know, two years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm paying a hundred dollars more for this right. particular thing. branch of government, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Bill Maher was on CNN. We know he's, he's uh, after hours on HBO. Uh, that show, which is just, I believe, on YouTube, whatever, uh, was on YouTube, is now on CNN on Friday nights. Yeah, right. And so well, that means he can't curse on it anymore, probably, then. No, nah, there's a lot of cursing at CNN. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, only on New Year's <laughs> when they're drunk. Only on the morning show with Don Lemon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, he was on there talking about uh, wokeness. And I want to play this because they keep missing 
And he's trying to say he's a liberal and the wokeness is not a liberal. But And you can make that case that the 60s liberal is not what today's liberal is at all. You can make that case. But it is the Democratic Party. That's the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Bill Maher is saying, I never changed. They did. Well, that change is the Democratic Party that you object to. Right. But when they get yeah. into talking about identity politics, they miss the most important thing of the identity politics and where it began. In fact, uh, uh, Tapper had it completely wrong, but we'll get to it here. Here's part of this interview. So you talk about the Democrats um, being so hemmed in by identity politics. The counter argument would be it's always been identity politics. It's just always been white people. So people like you and me didn't notice. And now it's right. just an effort at inclusion, which I'm sure theoretically you support. Yeah, I, I support it in fact. Um but, I mean, the, you know, the Democrats sometimes can take it too far. Or, you know, I would, I would categorize liberal as different than woke. You know, woke, which started out as a good thing, alert to injustice, who could be against that. But it became sort of an eye roll because they love diversity except of ideas. And that's not really where we should be. I mean, they have a, a trail of very bad ideas, I, I would think and uh, in, in wokeness like how do you define wokeness because i hear people use the term all the time and it means something different to to everybody well again i think it's this collection of ideas that uh, are not building on liberalism but very often undoing it i mean five years ago I, abraham lincoln was not a controversial figure among liberals we liked him <laughs> now they take his name off schools and tear down his statues. Really? Lincoln isn't good enough for you? Um, you know, five, ten years ago, bedrock liberalism was we are striving to be a colorblind society where we don't see race. Um, of course, we see it, but it doesn't matter. That's not what woke is. Woke is something very different. It's, it's identity. It's, we see it all the time. It's always the most important thing. I don't think that's liberalism. I mean, I could mention so many issues like that. Um, I remember doing um, that uh, show on HBO, uh, Comic Relief for the Homeless. And the idea then, again, among liberals, I thought was, you know, for the sake of compassion, can we get these people off the street so they have a roof over their heads? And now it's like, how dare you <laughs> try to move the homeless? This is where they live. It's like, again, you, you change the definitions, and then you say, I'm more conservative. I believe what I've always believed. What they failed to mention, and we had mentioned this earlier, and it's just amazing. I just saw this audio, and I go, well, we can apply this again. And Jake Tapper said it. Well, identity politics always been there, but it was just whites and i don't even know what he meant by that he didn't mm. explain and and bill maher was talking about identity politics but what they miss about identity politics is the the first targets of identity politics were blacks yeah when when you had and you can go you can actually go all the way back to thomas Sowell on those interviews that he would uh, do oh yeah uh yeah. with um Oh, I can't think of it. it was Milton Friedman mm. way, way back. Mm -hmm. And he was eviscerated yeah. for being a conservative black. He's the, mm -hmm. so you go all the way back to the seventies and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he, he was targeted. Then you get into, as I mentioned earlier, you get into the nineties and there were 
conservative black talk show host, and they were demonized like you can't believe. Mm-hmm. You know, the Larry Elders, the uh, Armstrong Williams, mm-hmm. uh, among among others, they were demonized as not being truly black. Mm-hmm. Identity politics, modern identity politics, targeted blacks who said a diversity of opinion in the black community is a good thing. And right. it was liberalism that Bill Maher was a part of back then. Yeah. I didn't hear Bill Maher coming out no. and vehemently no. objecting no. to the racism that was put towards conservative blacks 30 years ago and no. 25 years ago. I didn't hear Bill Maher there. No. And so he says, I haven't changed. Well, what did you expect was going to happen? When the liberal transgender activist movement started 10 years ago, Bill Maher wasn't behind it like we were. Bill Maher didn't forecast what we saw in it, that it would destroy. We saw it. We called it. If you've listened to the show, you know, we called it. We're no Einsteins. It wasn't hard to see. But you can sort of go through it and say, well, wait a minute. Well, then this is going to destroy feminism. Because then we started seeing. Remember, did did Bill Maher? I, I, I don't remember this, but I'd like to go back just five, six years ago. Did he object? Was was he demonizing North Carolina and Texas uh, for the the bathroom laws, saying mm. men shouldn't use women's restrooms? Right. I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't. If remember. he was, I apologize. I don't remember him being on that at all. I think it just when it became politically untenable, where you just couldn't defend it anymore, where he changed. But I think the most important point was, and I think this is so critical to talk about. Understand that identity politics, and we talk about, you know, critical race theory. Well, they're targeting whites and saying all whites, you know, that culturally it's just like their DNA is racist because the culture was so stooped in racism that whites, no matter what, generation after generation, will be racist. And therefore, uh, we need to set up society with all the rules and regulations as if whites will always be racist. There seems to be a focus on that type of identity politics. But when you actually go back, identity politics first targeted the conservative black in the modern identity politics movement, stating that they were Uncle Tom's, that they weren't truly, they weren't authentic blacks. And that was the point that all blacks must think alike or you're not truly black. How racist is that? And, and that's been going on for 30 years, well, 40 and, years, maybe. You know, I mean, that's, that's, we remember, um, you know, what they were saying about Mia Love. She appears to be black, but yeah. she's not really black. Right. And then, of course, in more recent years, uh, if you're a police officer and you're black, you're not black, you're blue. Right. Yeah, they, they, they even moved on from, you know, the Tim Scotts and whatever mm-hmm. and said, okay, a police officer to the point, to the the absurd point, the bizarro world point that the video that came out in 2020 of those two women mm-hmm. screaming at two black, two white women screaming at black cops. Yeah. Telling the cops they weren't authentically black. Right. I mean, my God. I mean, if that didn't wake up people on the left, and maybe Bill Maher saw something like that, and that's what woke him up. I don't know. Yeah. Woke him up from the wokeness. Yeah, right. Woke up from woke. <laughs> Rewoke. Rewoke. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you look at those things, and he hit on something. 
you know, okay, uh, to be more aware, the whole where the woke thing began, began. Well, okay, hold on a second. It is the M.O., the left, the far left, to take something that sounds noble and then run with it. And they label it as such and say, and it's everything. You know, it's, well, climate change. And if you're against this policy, listen, you clearly want the earth to crumble. You, you, you want the oceans to boil. If you're against these policies, then, well, they're doing it right now in Florida. Because the governor came out and said, no, we're not going to teach critical race theory as a matter of uh, our public schools. And then they came out and said, what? Oh, he doesn't want to teach about slavery. Right. That's a lie. Uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the whole Disney mm-hmm. controversy. Yep. Oh, it's about don't say gay. No, it's yeah, not. it's the it's don't a- say gay bill. No, they have to. Nope. But they have to lie. As we start out the show again, stating on any major issue today, is there anything where the Democrats don't lie about where that where the actual truth of the issue is? And so you can take that. You can take identity politics mm-hmm. from the you know critical race theory. We're not going to teach critical race theory. We're not going to teach teach racist philosophies. And then it actually made it all the way to. Uh, who was it? Who was it Martha Raddatz? Who was it? Um, it was NBC doing the uh, the interview. I can't think of the the anchor from MSNBC who did the interview, who uh, talked to the vice president and said, "Why doesn't he wish to teach about slavery?" Oh, it was um, um uh, what's her name? Um, uh, married to Alan Greenspan. Yeah, exactly. I can't yeah. think of it. Yeah, <laughs> Andrea Mitchell. Andrea Mitchell. Yeah, and she knew she was lying when she said it. But it's like, let's lie about what it actually is. So identity politics, they can't defend it because people know. How? Because people deal with different people every single day. The politics of how race is promoted in this country as to the reality of how people treat each other each and every day mm-hmm. is completely oh, yeah. opposite. No, 180, I mean, 180 degrees. And, and so you ask different. yourself, why is it that I see all this stuff and I, I, I experience all this stuff on social media and in the media, and then I go out in the real world and everything's fine. We we get along. Not that there aren't, uh, not that there isn't crime, not that there isn't, you know, that there aren't bad people, but in all, your everyday yeah. interactions, normal interactions, when you go into a store, when you when you go about your day, when you go to work, you get along with other people. Yeah. We're Funny not, how that works. Yeah, we're not denying that evil doesn't exist. Evil exists uh, in, in individuals or people that are jealous. And, uh, I mean, envy and jeale- jealousy to me still are the biggest problems that we have in this country and have been since I've been a radio talk show host. Uh, that hasn't changed. I don't think that'll ever change about human nature. Uh, but uh, when it when it comes to racism, we're a completely different country than we were 70 years ago. And the uh, people not acknowledging that 
is because they wish to push an agenda that you'll always be a victim and they'll always be an oppressor. And that gets right back to where the Democratic Party is, Mm -hmm. which is we need to keep expanding the number of victims, which means we need to keep expanding the number of oppressors. And then the former victims become the oppressors. And then everybody is at each other's throat. And then the Democrats believe that they can say, well, we're going to save all of you through government programs. That's their actual philosophy. Yep. Because somebody else tell me what it is. Right. Because I can't figure it out. Right. Why do you lie about the don't? If if you believe that if you believe that young people that people uh, that uh, uh, five year olds should be taught about sex in any form or manner, mm-hmm. or sexuality or or transgenderism or whatever, if you believe that that's appropriate, then say I believe five year olds should be taught this. Don't lie about the bill. Right. If you wish to tell people that all whites are racist culturally to the point where it's just like it's in their DNA, then state that. Yeah. Own it. Right. Own it. Don't lie and say, oh, the governor doesn't wish to teach about slavery. Be honest with what you believe. Don't lie about it. Right. But they know if they don't lie about it, they won't be able to convince the American public. Because the effort is this. we got to make our side sound more noble and make the other side sound more nefarious. Exactly, yeah. That's always the case. And how do you do that? You lie. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Some interesting uh, audio uh, from uh, the uh, the congressional committee that's looking into uh, the uh, <laughs> origins of COVID yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Marty, uh, Dr. Markery, who uh, from uh, Johns Hopkins, who uh, wrote that op-ed piece yesterday about the 10 things that that were we were told were not true that end up being true. Uh, about uh, uh, COVID. He was testifying mm. yesterday about mm. the fact that <laughs> you're not going to get any more information from China. It's all gone. Mm. But anything that you get from now on is only going to lead to the lab leak. And uh, he goes through some of the things that uh, happened. We'll have that coming up following uh, the, uh, the the top of the hour. Plus, the, the lies still continue. It's like the talking points are out to lie from the Democrats about the uh, train derailment in Ohio. We'll get to that. More coming up. 866-90-RED-EYE. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He is Eric Harley. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. If you can't listen to one of our great radio stations overnight live... 
with us. One of the things I'm I'm uh, just noticing, and maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe it isn't happening. I'll probably be able to analyze it better in a month. But it seems like uh, just more publicity is give, being given uh, over the last couple of days uh, to uh, doctors and and people that said, "Look, we knew that uh, you know we looked at this and said, oh, yeah, the great probability is this came from the lab, and we've been funding the lab, and that's one of the reasons that the government didn't want it to get out." Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those is Dr. Martin uh, Macquarie from Johns Hopkins uh, University, uh, who um, spoke about this yesterday before the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. Here is part of that audio. My next question is in a recent Energy and Commerce Oversight hearing, I uh, asked the NIH director um, about the NIH's gross negligence in monitoring the EcoHealth Alliance grant and subgrant at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, after admitting that we might not have all of the information and research reports from the WIV and EcoHealth, he insisted that he was sure that the coronavirus research that the U.S. taxpayer dollars funded at WIV was completely unrelated to SARS-CoV-2. And I was wondering if any of the three of you had any thoughts on that. Uh, Hang on here. Let me just get to it here. We had some problems with the audio. There we go. The reason this is even an issue is that it's embarrassing we funded the lab. If we had not funded the lab, 100% of Americans would say this is obvious, this is a no-brainer. The epicenter of the world is five miles from one of the only high-level virology labs in China. The doctors initially were arrested and forced to sign uh, non-disclosure gag documents. The Lab reports have been destroyed. They've not been turned over. The sequences reported from the lab to the NIH database were deleted by a request from Chinese scientists that called over early on and said, delete those sequences we put in the database. And two leading virologists, maybe the two um, top virologists in the United States, Dr. Michael Farzan from Scripps and Dr. Robert Gary from Tulane, told Dr. Fauci on his emergency call in January of 2020 when he was scrambling soon after learning that the NIH was funding the lab, they both said that it was likely from the lab. Both scientists changed their tunes days later in the media, and then both scientists received $9 million subsequent in funding from the NIH. It's a no-brainer that it came from the lab. I mean, at this point... It's impossible to acquire any more information, and if you did, it would only be affirmative. My next. Wow. I have a feeling all those doctors will be before that Senate uh, select uh, or select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. That's Dr. Marguerite from Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Um, I mean, just just fascinating. And it seems like, you know, and, and maybe it's. Well, they weren't really covering it before, and so it's become a news item. So there is more coverage on it because of what had come out from the Department of Energy, and then uh, uh, Ray from the FBI acknowledging mm-hmm. it again mm-hmm. yesterday, and then uh, this audio coming out. It's like, okay, now we're starting to pay attention, and now we understand that that uh, all everything from the very beginning when it first came out. Well, wait a minute. This theory might be legitimate. 
Right. And then it was like, well, inside the White House. Remember that story about ooh, six, seven, eight, nine months ago? Inside the White House, they actually believe inside the White House, it came from the lab leak. Right. And so now it's coming out. And this is something that the Democrats and the media, the mainstream media, wanted to keep quiet. And as Dr. Mercury says, they want, he's, what he's saying is they want to keep it quiet that if there was no funding for this, it would have been kept quiet. Right. Everybody would have been right. pounding on the Chinese. Right. The only reason it was kept quiet, the only reason that you hear the charges of, you know, racism, conspiracy theory is because we actually finance this. That's his allegation. Right. Whoa. And that's something that has been suspected for a long, long time. Yes, but uh, by, saying by it. People, in, in, yeah, by people yeah. that are, you know, conservative and critical thinkers. Now, when you have doctors saying, look, uh, everything points to the lab leak theory. And, you know, you put everything together. This is why I think it was so important what Rand Paul did with Fauci sitting before him. And that was to bring to light the fact that taxpayer money was going toward this. And there has to be accountability. But why do you want accountability? Well, you have to learn everything that happened so that you can prevent it from happening again. And if this is going on in other labs and we're funding it now with other viruses and diseases, then there needs to be oversight. And all of this has to be, I mean, if it's not stopped altogether, we have to investigate to what extent. Think about this. Anybody, did anybody know that the, in in the general public, that the Wuhan lab existed before COVID? No. No. How many labs are out there? What are they working on? I'm not paranoid. Why? What did you hear? But it stands to reason that this may be happening all across the globe in other labs with a number of things. Now, a virologist will tell you, well, we're constantly pushing the limits and, and looking at, at viruses and the way that they behave. We work around them every day. And that has to be, we have to temper what we learn with what may be going on and, 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 and compare it and, and look for what may be going on that shouldn't be going on. Because virologists should be working in their labs to know that we can control these viruses when they happen in nature. But we have to get down to the answers first. And if you don't have the truth first, and look, I do agree too, and we said it, I think we said it earlier this week. There's a lot of stuff we're not going to learn from China. So what do you do? Well, one of the things you can do is you you put the international community. In fact, um, there was, you know, there was uh, uh, reports after uh, Director Ray was talking in the Fox News interview and saying, again, that everything points to the lab leak theory. Then there there's also some international. Uh, I don't know if it's a consensus, but lots of thought being put into the fact that 
something needs to be done with China. Well, okay, you can't, maybe you can't get all the answers from China, but you can prevent it from happening again. At the very least, you can not fund it. You know, one of the, the things is, you know, what are they looking at? And there was a really interesting article in, in, uh, in uh, Spiked uh, magazine. It was written by uh, Matt Ridley, who is co-author of Viral, The Search for the Origin of COVID-19. And I'm not going to go through all the technical terms because it would just get confusing. But what he said is it's fitting that this new that this news broke two days before the 70th anniversary of the discovery of the double helix structure of DNA, which effectively marked the moment that humanity began to crack nature's code and read its messages. More new evidence supporting the lab leak because you're wondering where are they getting this from? I mean, why, why do they why do they believe this specifically? Is it because these, you know, the Department of Energy was able to get inside the lab and talk to people. And what he's what he is saying is the evidence is actually studying the the DNA of the viruses. Hmm. Uh, more new evidence supporting the lab leak theory has been trickling out in the past few months. Much of it from inside the codes of the virus uh, uh, genomes with the without the ability to decode virus messages. We would still be much more in the dark about what happened in Wuhan in the late uh, in late 2019 in every living creature dna messages spelling out the recipe for making and running an organism are written in a simple uh, four letter cipher and he goes through I'm not going to go through all this cuz it gets complicated here uh but uh, coronavirus messages are written in almost the identical language of rna but virologists use the dna equivalent letters to avoid con- uh, confusion and here's a short burst of that text that is right at the heart of the evidence for a possible lab leak. And then he goes through what the code is. All right. And right. Most, most of us, I don't understand it. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through all of it. He goes, but the code is the recipe for four amino acids in a particular region of the spike protein of the virus. It turns out that this message is unique to SARS-CoV-2. That is to say, if you look at every other coronavirus ever discovered, and there are hundreds of them, they all lack this little message in this place. You can line them up and show how the text matches almost perfectly up to that point and after that point, but the 12-letter text has been inserted into just the sars uh, uh, COVID-2 genome and into none of the others. It's not just any message. It transforms the virus's ability to infect human cells and is the reason we had a pandemic and not a minor outbreak in 2020. So Gosuin says it's the code on it that they look at everybody else and they look at this code and they say nothing else has it except this. And that's what leads them to the lab. Right. The lab leak theory. Right. So it's got nothing to do with, well, we have evidence that this doctor said this or did this. They're simply examining the virus and saying, okay, from what we can see. It could only be it, from the lab. It can only be from the lab. Yeah. Wow. So uh, they go and, and they said uh, such uh, of the, these sites are found in other coronaviruses, but never 
in Sarbi coronavices mm. for reasons we fully don't understand. It is a disadvantage to the this uh, Sarbi coronavirus to have such a feature when it's in a natural habitat. And that is the gut of a horseshoe bat. So they've never found this in a bat. And that's why they believe. That's why it's leading them to the lab leak theory. Just so people understand, that's how they're getting to it. Now, that should be explained in public to the American people. Yes. There's no reason to keep that classified. Right. It's not, you know, because we hear this, well, it's all classified information. This isn't classified information. This is medical stuff. Yep. And it's data. Right. It's data. If you believe it, this should not be classified. The fact that the fact that Chinese balloons might have invaded American airspace, mm-hmm. that should be classified so you don't let them know yeah. that you didn't know that they were in there. Right. This should not be classified. <laughs> Joe Biden, everybody. So when scientists first saw the SARS. Uh, virus, COVID-2 virus at the end of January 2020 with what they call the Farin cleavage site. Alarm bells rang and a handful of virologists arranged the secret video call on February 1st to discuss it. Even more alarming was the fact that the paper from the Wuhan Institute of Virology describing the virus genome did not even mention this feature. That, says my co-author, Alina uh, Chan, is like describing a unicorn without mentioning the horn. But some of the same scientists who attended that call then drafted a paper in which they dismissed the fur and cleavage site as not relevant. They said that in a natural horseshoe bat coronavirus uh, would soon be found with that cleavage site in it. Well, they were wrong. Three years later, they have found a lot more coronaviruses that have come to light in bats. None have that particular indicator in it, not one. And then they go through all the other all the other questions you would ask on that and defeat each one. And they say that's why that's that's it's the biology of the actual DNA of right. Of coronavirus, of COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. science, so, huh? Science, yeah. 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 Well, so, I, I, I guess wh- the facts don't care about your feelings. Well, if that's what they believe it is, the Department of Energy, the representative labs, should hold a press conference and tell them why they believe it. Right. No, that's it, because that's. You don't have to get into the the minutia of uh, trying to define every every little step along the way. You just very clearly line out how this could only come from the lab, and here's why. Right. Well, this is here's what you don't th- see in nature well, ever right. th- that we have never seen in nature. We might, but we haven't seen it yet. Which we can't, we can't, tends to make us believe we, we we've never right. detected it. Yes, it's never been done. Right, and that's the earmark of lab work. Right now, I would welcome okay uh, another scientist saying, "Well, 
Uh, no, it could be here. Or it could be there. Or it could be something else. Oh, we have the, but have the debate. I, I'm fine with it. Yep. But yeah. it's not Facebook and the FBI shutting it down, saying, no, we're not going to have the discussion. Right. But you can't have the FBI and the Department of Energy come on and say, this is what we believe it is. And we're not going to explain it to you. Why? Why? Because that's classified. Because it makes you think at that point, okay, they've got spies inside of the lab, and that's how they know it. Well, if they that's not the case, if they strictly know it by science, right? well, then they should tell the American public. Right. What's top secret about that? Where's national security at risk? 86690-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance Safety Accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA Safety Compliance and Enforcement Program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. But I think that is something that uh, that is logical that we keep hearing, you know, as we get this. You know, there doesn't need to be a, this whole secret if it's simply biological. Right. If it doesn't have to do with the CIA inside of there, if you can sit there and say, no, no we figured this out, even if, if that's part of it, even if we do know more of it, but if you've proved it biologically or you believe... You know, this is the path that shows us that it's most likely, uh, you know, a lab leak. Well, then show it to the American people. Explain it. Spring is in the air, and that can only mean one thing. Spring grilling. So good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Well, even Canada has its limits on the liberal transgender activist movement. Really? Yes. A Canadian school board adopted a professionalism policy after a transgender woman teacher was spotted with giant prosthetic breasts 
Mm. You've seen the picture, right? Yeah. Giant. Uh, if you mm-hmm. haven't seen the picture, how do I describe? Um, giant's a good word. Giant. Uh, uh, yes, giant. Uh, Unreasonably large. Do you, you have to maybe be a little bit older. Do you remember Morgana the Kissing Bandit who used to jump on the field during Major League Baseball games? Mm-hmm. Much larger than hers. Yeah. And, of course, it was a disruption in the class because everyone knew that's a man. Those aren't real. The Halton District School Board published a professional policy. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I'm telling you, this is transphobic, is it not? Mm -hmm. Why can't you be who you wish to be? Why right. can you only be what you wish to be up to a certain point? The well, bigotry I, coming out of Canada here in this school board. So I mean, does my, uh, does bra size then come into it? Could it, could it is it going to be limited? That great uh, great point. Man, the circular firing squad just gets. We're just gets, asking questions. Yes. I mean, we don't write the playbook. Yeah. Yes, they published a professional policy that many parents demanded. After the photos of the teacher wearing the breasts went viral last year. Mm-hmm. On January 3rd, the Board of Trustees passed a motion requiring the Director of Education to develop a professionalism policy to maintain appropriate and professional standards of dress and decorum in the classroom. The policy says the purpose of this policy is to consolidate and affirm existing expectations regarding staff professionalism, including dress and decorum, at all board and school settings and at school-based activities. Focusing on the importance of demonstrating through personal presentation Hmm. respect for public education and each student's right to learn in a safe inclusive, and accepting environment. Hmm. (laughs) The court has has recognized that the conduct of the teacher bears directly upon the community's perception of the ability of the teacher to fulfill a position of trust and influence and upon the community's confidence in the public school system as a whole. Hmm. <laughs> However, there are no details about what the dress code actually applies to. <laughs> well, they just they should do it. straighten that out. They should they they're going to have to issue a dress code, right? I mean, they're going to. They're going to have to get specific on that dress code. Yes, exactly. Which means you've got to draw a line because, to be clear, in case you haven't picked up on it, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. These aren't natural because he wasn't born with them. Right. And he didn't have the 
genetic inclination for those to develop naturally at any point. That was a choice. Yes. So how dare you decide for this person how he's going to live his life, right? Exactly right. If you wish to have two Chinese balloons under your upper attire, and thank you, Richard, for he knew Richard wrote to me and said I was having problems describing it, and that's how he said, well, that would be an accurate description. Yes. Uh, but although, who, although I will say, Richard, the, the Chinese balloons aren't that large. Yes. Not as large yes. as what is going on here. Yes. And there's there's pictures of, you know, of <laughs> him walking around, mm-hmm. you know, with them. And obviously, when you see it, it's going to be a distraction. Yes. But how do you. It put, was meant to be a it distraction. Was, it was meant to be a distraction. Clearly yes, meant to be a distraction. Yes. When I first saw the pictures, I went, OK, that, that's fake. That's, you know, that's. Uh, that's a Babylon Bee doing something on this. Mm. It's like, oh, right. Yeah. No, it's not fake. Well, they're fake, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the well, pic- the picture is not fake. The biggest part of the picture is fake. Yes. <laughs> but no, that's that's intended. Right now in the liberal circular firing squad, the school board can't win. On no. This, can they? No. How you, not in Canada. How, how dare you oh. tell anybody how they're going to live their life? Wait a minute. I think that school board, this is Canada, mm-hmm. should be sent to jail. Ah, yes, that's right. <laughs> you're discriminatory. You're transphobic. Yeah, listen, you're talking about someone's livelihood here. Yes. This is how they make yep. a living. Mm-hmm. And this is how they choose to live their life. Yes, exactly. Tons of transphobia here. On this Canadian school board. Right. You're using the word professionalism to justify your transphobia. That's right. How dare you? Well, we could be pretty good on the left. Yeah. And again, remember, these aren't our rules. These are we're just we're just trying to figure out what their rules are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, no, it's their rule book. Yeah. We just read it for entertainment. <laughs> You got nothing better to that's, do. That's that's all we're doing. <laughs> hey, my golf lesson's over. I got to read the liberal rule book. Well, I mean, so I don't know where this goes because what do you what do you do now if he walks in again? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. and what he claims is they are real. Well, in that they do exist. Yes. No, he says he is not wearing prosthetic breasts. Uh That they are real. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not going to require an inspection. (laughs) I'm guessing. My condition is classified. I'm not making this up. Mm -hmm. I swear to you. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to laugh. Yeah. In this next sentence, and I hope I pronounce it right. My condition is classified as gigantomastia okay so in the in the 
gigant, we were actually quite accurate in our description to start out. Yeah, yes. Is is he claiming then because of hormone treatment and or therapy or doesn't say that this happened? Well, there's a, it, it doesn't matter whether it was a choice or not because it well, it was a choice because he chose the transition. So you can't say it's not a choice, but it doesn't matter. You don't get uh, to impede on someone's well, let's put it this way life they're not their choice they're not to impede their. They are not going growth to, as a person. The, the school <laughs> the, the school board is not going to make mm-hmm. him prove it right. Mm-hmm. They can't go that far. That's what I was saying. You can't require an inspection or a right. doctor's do note. No, no. no, 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 no. You have to let the person live how they're going to live, and. It's a distraction for you. Well, as the Charlotte Observer editorial board, your kids just need to get used to distractions. Yes, right. Charlotte Observer wrote it. They need your the young girls need to get used to male genitalia. So right. Why so not, no, not the other way around. You just need to get used to it. Right. Your kids need to get used to these distractions. I want to sit in on a liberal rule book meeting one time. Yeah. No, it must be a daily thing, right? Well, it has to be because it changes every day. Right. So you don't. Yeah. You start with a morning meeting. Somebody's got to bring bagels, too. I mean, you're going to be there a while. Because now you're going to have to change the rule book. I'm thinking when you say bagels, I'm trying to figure out how that would be offensive in some way. <laughs> that's a, Because that's how the mind of a liberal works. Mm-hmm. That's offensive. <laughs> how? Well, I don't mm-hmm. know, but I'm trying to figure out. How it's offensive in some way. Is that how they go through every day? Do yeah. they hear anything and it's like, how's that offensive? How's that offensive? How's that offensive? I'll get back to you. Yeah, like we just we go through our day going, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they go through their day. That's offensive. That's mm-hmm. offensive. That's offensive. That's offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we've said it for years. They wake up every day looking for a new reason to be offended. And this is how we got to where we are today. Subgroups and more subgroups and more subgroups, which means... More and more oppressors. And, yeah, uh, you got to rewrite the playbook for this one, the rule book. We will keep you abreast of that story. Oh. Good. For further developments. Yeah. No pun intended. We're going to stay out in front of it. no, No pun intended. I guarantee the school board has to back off now. Well, I don't know. It's an unusually large story. <laughs> they'll back. I've, they'll back. There's no way they can't go any. They can't go further on it. It's like, yeah, sorry, they're real. They're mm-hmm. part of me. Mm-hmm. So you can't do anything about it, right? And you can't check, right? You can't force me to change it. Can they make you take a physical anymore? Probably not. And a physical wouldn't mean anything anyway. I mean, you can't make them prove specifically about one thing because 
then the man, the court case would be interesting. Well, how many things could uh, could be a distraction? There could be a number of things that could be a distraction. Yeah, my good looks. You know, many complaints no, about that. In- no, that's not one of them. But there are plenty of things that could be a distraction. <laughs> there could be teachers that you know. I mean that because uh, I, I think of the just the natural physical characteristics of all the teachers, right? As as kids. You oh, giggled yeah. about everything, right? Miss Boutet, sixth grade, big mm. distraction. Yeah. The fact that she, yeah, she's the only teacher's name I can remember. Oh, Miss Felton uh, from, from second Bel- grade in Bel- San Antonio. School. <laughs> uh, she had the long, straight, blonde, hippie hair. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated with the length of her hair. That was really, honestly, the only thing that was, but it was, it was very long hair. Like oh, I, Crystal Gale kind of long. I do remember uh, 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 Sister Lorian hmm. because she just, I, you know, she didn't like me at all. Then she got my younger sister. Right. And she told my younger sister one time, child of God, shut up. We still talk about it today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, so, uh, so this person can say, well, everybody has their own physical characteristics that anybody can claim are distracting. Yeah. This is who I am. How dare you? 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. If you like listening to Red Eye On Demand, we have more of Eric Harley and guests for you. Download RER's Extra Mile podcast. More topics and issues discussed. If you drive a big rig, you know that more time on the road means more money in your pocket. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to... The Saudi, the Saudi yeah. Bag Tour yeah. debuted on CW. Oh. 286,000 viewers on Saturday, huh. 291,000 viewers on Sunday. And that was the first time it was publicly mm. available. That's nothing, by the way. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The regular golf tournament, I think, for Saturday was at like one and a half million and Sunday was at 2.4, and it's not a major event at all for, for that. So there probably were people had curiosity, you know, and I, so I turned it on just to see what the broadcast would be like. They have horrible sound problems. They couldn't get, oh, the, really? sound, they couldn't get the sound right. Yeah. It was yeah. bad. Mm. And I have, one, I have one of the best surround sound systems out there. And Well, you know what? Wasn't. You make a good point because, hey, you're a golfer, but – you know, you, you think about those tournaments and networks and Golf Channel. They know. Aesthetically, it has to be yep. good. The sound has to be good. It's got to be well-directed. The birds chirping in the background have to be crystal clear. Exactly. Even if they're Even fake. Even if they're fake. <laughs> this is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market. Rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.